Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Recorded Monday, January the 18th, 2016. This is the Western Devs Podcast. In this episode, the devs discuss Azure with MVP Eve Huleven. This episode was recorded at a bar in Thailand, so the audio quality may be lacking. Boy, look here, we get something for you. Welcome, everybody, to Western Dev's podcast. We've got something different today. This is Kyle and Donald, and we're in Thailand for a conference. We're meeting with Yves Kuleven. He is a MVP for Azure for the last six years. He hails from Belgium, and we've had the opportunity to track him down here. And we're going to talk to him today about Azure. So why don't I turn it over to you? Yves, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with Azure lately. Right. I've been uh, working with Azure since 2008. So end of 2008, when it was announced at PDC as a beta or even alpha, I've been involved in uh, Azure development projects ever since then. One of the biggest cases I've worked on in the past is uh, Barco's uh, system called Cinecare, which basically monitors all of the digital cinema equipment built by Barco uh, on the planet. So it's about uh, I think 80,000 uh, uh, cinema projection systems that are attached to this uh, to the clouds and from which they actually do remote monitoring, remote assistance on the devices during the actual show in the, in the cinemas. So that's one of the biggest projects uh, I've worked on in, in the cloud in the past. And today I'm a developer for the end service bus as well, where I do all of the Azure support for the for their platform. And next to end service bus, I also run an online service called Message Hammer myself, which is geared towards um, IoT oriented projects. So it's more in the line of a project that I did for Barco, where companies can actually attach devices, um, stream messages from these devices, but then bring them to another destination and transform them online. It's also in the messaging space, just like in service buses, but it has a very different purpose. Where in service buses is more oriented towards business processes and running business applications. Message channel is more oriented towards um, IoT, uh, Internet of Things, and especially also um, integration between different sites, between different parties in an ecosystem as well. So most of your experience with Azure then has been kind of back-end system stuff, not deploying websites or any of that type of thing? Well, I would say systems in, in broad. So, yes, web applications have been a big part of these systems. They all have web frontends. They all have web APIs as part of the system. Um, but indeed, these systems are larger, typically globally deployed and communicating across geographies. So this back-end is indeed... A, much more complicated aspects of the systems in general. But web development is definitely part of it, as is messaging, as is data storage. So which of the Azure uh, products have you been working with for, as part of the, the uh, one with the uh, cinematic? Yeah, so um, for cinematic, this was very early days in Azure, so 
we almost used everything that was available at that time, um, being cloud services, uh, which is a hosting option inside uh, Azure, where you deploy an application and Azure will actually manage the machines for you. So basically, you give it an application and Azure will roll out the machinery for you and manage it. Um, next to cloud services, we are also using um, storage services a lot, um, the queuing system, as well as the table system, as well as the block system. And at that point in time, uh, we also, what still exists, uh, is called Access Control Service, but it got migrated a little bit into the Active Directory system, so it might not be as visible as it used. But Access Control Service is mainly intended for um, authorization purposes, where you get single sign-on across different parts of the system with just one identity. And those are the major components we used back at that time. There were no more services in Azure. Today, if we would have done the same project again, we could definitely use some of the capabilities of Azure services as well. But in that time frame, it just didn't exist. So is this one of the challenges uh, that you would have as a system implementer then being able to use Azure with the point-in-time offerings, but then 6, 12 months down the road, there's a different set of offerings. And how, how would you approach that if you were working on a project right now that had maybe a 12-month timeline yeah. deployment? That's a very good question. I think the problem is less today than it was in the past because Azure has evolved so fast over the years. Like We've got a new service every two weeks, so to speak. But today, I think just because of the size of the platform, because of all the capabilities that it has today, it, it will, it looks like it's stabilizing today. And right now, it's going to be far easier to make the correct choices and use just those services that. Do you think it's stabilizing from a service offering standpoint? Yes. Um, yeah. So service offering stabilizing the, the, versioning and the capabilities of each service seem to be evolving very rapidly. That will continue to, to, to stay the case. So I, there's a lot of people working on Azure. There's a lot of people building out new capabilities in each service. So I do think that the services as they exist, they will continue to evolve and improve. But I don't think that the speed of, at which we will get new services will continue the way it has. And this has been a little bit of a problem in the past that if Sometimes you build something because you need it, and then one uh, one year later, it's available as a service. And it's, it's like it has been a little bit of a waste of time that you actually. And I think that problem will, I think it will disappear just because of the uh, the size it already has. I don't think it will double in size anymore in the next year at least. I hope that it does. <laughs> Do you see any new? Features that, that are coming down in Azure that you think that it has some gaps in its functionality that could be providing some features that it doesn't get? Well, it definitely has gaps. And as far as I understand Microsoft's positioning historically as well, it, I think it will continue to have these gaps so that uh, other companies in the ecosystem can actually fill them. So things like uh, hosting of third-party database engines or stuff like that. I mean, obviously, Microsoft's not going to take on being a Raven DB or an Oracle DB host yeah, or something. Definitely. So that they will provide a baseline, and probably for certain very popular data stores or messaging infrastructures, maybe even, they will provide something out of the box, but they're never going to cover every single technology that 
is available. So if you are using a niche product or something, I think there is definitely some room there for these niche providers to actually offer something uh, for that specific With the way uh, Azure's built, you'd think that niche providers should be able to make their offerings stacked on top of the existing infrastructure. Yes, but that's Azure actually that's possible. It's, it's called the Azure Marketplace, yeah. uh, which is based on the ARM technology that they've been releasing over the past year. The marketplace has some content in it today, but I think going forward that it will be more important that uh, if you adopt this ARM infrastructure for you to serve your uh, technology through, yeah. that it will definitely be a way for you to actually start selling. The technology is there. I think it still needs some adoption in the marketplace in order to actually become mainstream. Today, it's also mainly focused on virtual machines mm -hmm. inside you. So you take an existing product and you package it as a virtual machine and you sell it that way. But it's my understanding that this will also evolve into more uh, platform-oriented, PaaS-oriented services or even SaaS services that you can provision. Uh, that. I understand it's already possible uh, because I know that people from Wiget and they have a SaaS service. And I know they are offering their SaaS subscriptions through the marketplace. Okay. So I know it's technically possible, but it's not such so adopted yet to, uh, to take it out. I think of a lot of uh, virtual machine offerings now where you can get virtual machines that already have, you know... Well, you can get it with Oracle. So yes. Oracle yes. installed yeah. or you know, Windows Server with, with Docker pre-installed. But those are actually coming from the marketplace. Well, yeah. Maybe not the ones from Oracle because that's a special relationship yeah. between Microsoft and Oracle. Uh, but if you look at the smaller products, like for example something Docker based, mm -hmm. so you this definitely comes from the marketplace. You mentioned earlier your uh, website for the IoT stuff. What was the name of it again? Message handler. Message handler. Yeah. Um, have you built that on top of Azure? Yes. As well, then. Yes. So, Message Handler is mostly using cloud services as well uh, as a web application, web APIs, and besides that also Azure Service Bus, but more the Event Hub infrastructure. So, Event Hub infrastructure is intended for large-scale volumes in one direction. So, ingestion or egress of uh, messages in one direction, and basically we use that infrastructure to plug into that. So the, the choice of that over something like mobile services was because of the efficiency of the single direction that it offers then? Uh, scale is very important. Yeah. So event types each can go up to 1 million uh, messages per second, which is kind of impressive. Um, it's also quite low level in terms of uh, programming to it. So we, we could build on top. Uh, we basically built a processing engine on top, uh, which consists of uh, the disruptor pattern, if you've heard of that. Yep as well as uh, reactive extensions combined. So we basically use reactive extensions a little bit like uh, anal the, uh, uh, what's the name again? The analytic service in Azure. The name oh, slips me. No, not insights. Stream analytics. Okay. That's one. So we do something similar, but not using SQL as a language, but we use C Sharp as a language. And we use then reactive extensions to have very, very powerful means of interpreting stream of messages and do correlation on the streams and uh, do time-based windowing and features like that. Uh, also, 
basically in an IT in an IoT environment, um, telemetry information you get a whole lot of it, telemetry information, but not everything or all of the individual elements in that stream are very important. Usually, it's detecting patterns in that stream, yeah. or it's detecting anomalies, and things. that's important. So we use uh, reactive extensions to actually filter out from the stream what we, what the customer actually. So you're ingesting all this information from that IoT source, and then uh, you must be persisting it in some way as well. So you have um, it to do this. That's an option. Okay. So uh, persisting is an option. Persisting also involves I/O, so basically it slows you down. Right. Right. So if persistence is not something you're looking for, we're not enforcing it. Okay. But you can definitely persist it as well. But those are parallel streams. So if you want to do anomaly detection or you want to persist it, you do it then parallel on on the same stream but with duplicated data. So the anomaly detection is really happening almost in a real time. Real time. time. Yeah, real time minus the time it takes to transport the so how has the development on the platform changed from when you first started five, six years ago? Oh, drastically. Well, in the be- yeah, it's just the amount of services that became available that makes things very different today. Um, in the early days, you had to write a lot yourself. Uh, you only had the hosting option of cloud services. And if you wanted to build a website, you had to deploy it through that infrastructure. This would take quite some time uh, at the past but now you have these additional um, services on top like for example Azure websites where you can just do git commit and it'll automatically appear online these kinds of innovations sort of features built into the Azure platform they speed you up significantly so it, it, it definitely changed a lot and another thing that may be surprising it also has big impact uh, on the way you develop is the fact that you're working on a system or with a system that's actually continuously evolved. That also means that you do not control when it's involved. So if that is a new feature, an existing feature starts working in a different way, you notice this in production. This could be that at a certain moment in time, it just behaves a little bit differently than what you anticipate. So did you have to alter your development process to counter yeah, that? Yeah, sometimes you just have to jump and fix something in production because it did no longer works the way you think it works. It's almost like hot fixing, but not yeah. for bugs in your software. But not for bugs, just for changing behavior. That's a big difference with running a product. With a product, you decide when you have it. With a service, you don't. You just get an email and it's like, you have so many days to fix this. So it's, it's different. Do you think that the uh, adoption of Azure is being hindered or being greased in a positive way by the current state of the, the development churn? Like, are, are people scared of the fact that it's so so volatile? Uh, I what what actually, in my opinion, drove adoption of Azure is is not the developer aspect. It's the IT Pro aspect. So the fact that you can just pick up a VM and deploy it in some data center somewhere on the planet, that's what's actually driving the adoption. Initially, Azure was designed as a developer platform, and it didn't really pick up a lot of steam in the beginning. 
this is, in my opinion, probably because it was developer-oriented. Developers are people that like to do everything themselves, and this also includes very often hosting. So, uh, in the beginning, pickup wasn't that big. Now we see a lot of pickup, uh, especially in the infrastructure and networking space. And I assume that the developers will now follow because they will go along with the uh, with the enterprise while the enterprise. So I don't think the speed of development has hindered the adoption for developers. Not much. It's more the other way around. IS has actually made it explode. What led you to start working with Azure? Was it you that suggested it originally, or is it... Do, you, you want the honest answer? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's all we deal with here. Uh, it's <laughs> basically uh, to avoid uh, the IT administration for doing things. <laughs> Sounds it's, like a developer answer, not an honest one. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic it's answer. It's a fantastic answer. <laughs> uh, we started working on projects and simply by business asking us. I was a consultant uh, in, in those days. Simply by asking us, we want to have this capability. Uh, we don't want to ask our IT administration because then it will take two years. And with mm-hmm. Azure, you can deploy it in let's say, two weeks. But at that time, AWS was around too. Did you give some consideration to... Well, AWS was very infrastructure-oriented. Okay. Right? So it wasn't really a developer's choice, oh, at yeah. least not for me. And also, I also had a quite a bad experience with uh, AWS support, which actually threw me off a little bit. Uh, if you want to hear the story, we had a development service, so basic at that time, source control and build server and things. We had it deployed on AWS. At a certain moment, there were networking problems. The instances were still running, but we couldn't get to them anymore. So I decided to open a support ticket, and I got an answer back. Uh, the answer was, if you consume more than $10,000 a month, we will answer your question. So I was like, uh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Money talks, but money not talks, that much. Not, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a pretty bad support experience on my behalf. So I, that's when I did not no longer pursue it. Do you find that developing and releasing products for Azure to be easier to support them then? It, it, just because of the cloud infrastructure? Yeah, definitely. Your your response time is, is, is so quick. If, if there is an issue in, in your production environment, I Literally five minutes after finding or solving the issue, you can actually get it into production. If you try to do that in an enterprise, it might take you days, weeks, depending on the process that you have to go through. Definitely helps. I agree with you too. I mean, I have my own little websites for expenses and billing and stuff on uh, on Azure. And, um, if I have to make a change to some part of them, it's as easy as change the code, test it. Committed to Git, yep. and, and that's it. And that's it. Literally, that's it. And if you want to do the same thing in an enterprise, sometimes you have to go through an advisory board yes. and you got to sit a review and yes, a staging meeting. <laughs> and, uh, there are cases I know that we had bugs in production that costed literally hundred thousand euros a day, and they, it took them three weeks to get it in there. So. <laughs> Use Azure for. Middle part of the process where you, for example, continuous integration or acceptance testing, or is it just you, you develop on the platform? Like where, 
what aspects are you using it for testing the application? You mean specific for testing whether or not I use Azure for that to do it for right. my local machine? Yeah. I try to do as much as possible in Azure itself because I, I find that if you do things locally, even if you have emulators um, that can help you, they do behave a little bit differently. Right? So you might have some bugs that actually pop up the heads in production if you have everything locally and then go to production immediately. So what I try to do is go to well, production-like environments. That's exactly the same as it would be in production and testing. So do you spin up your own environments yes. manually, or do you have used the ARM capabilities to um, So far, mostly manually, because the services that I have been using so far are a little bit older and mm. have not been in ARM yet. They are largely moved now, not all. But the more that they are moving, the more we can automate. Yeah, ARM seems to be more in flux than some of the other services. Yes. Uh, it's also relatively new, and it seems to have a big impact on, all, on everything. Every, every individual service that existed in the past has to have to be ported to uh, ARM in order to fit into the system. It's a bit of an all-or-nothing question. Well, thanks very much, E, for your time here. It was uh, great to learn more about Azure. I've only really kind of come to the surface from it uh, myself. We've been talking with Eve Hulaven from Belgium. And uh, thanks again for your time, Eve. And uh, hopefully sometime in the future we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to talk to you again about it. Thank you. Thank you.